This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy. This consists of the Kainai, Pekani, Siksika, and the Blackfeet in the U.S. We acknowledge the Stony Nakoda, which consists of the Bearspaw, Morley, and Chiniki. We acknowledge the Satina, who are Dene, and the Métis, Inuit, status and non-status from all of Turtle Island, and those who are visiting. We are all treaty people. Welcome to the Dave Leary Show. Welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast, brought to you by Freedom's Path Recovery Society in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Thank you for tuning in. Please remember that these opinions that are shared are those of the individuals and not of any agency, organization, or other entity, unless otherwise specified. Also, if you're a minor, please check with your parent and or guardian as you need to have permission to listen to these podcasts. We will potentially talk about violent subject matter, sexual content, and difficulties human beings face on their day-to-day lives in recovery. So tonight's uh, guest is Claude. Uh, this guy is so interesting, and I can't even tell you really why he's interesting. He's just interesting. Well, first of all, he's interesting because he farts in public, and I love that about this guy. Seriously, just lets it out. Doesn't even like think about it, just lets it out, and I think that is a strength. That's my opinion. Claude, welcome, man. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. Right on, dude. So also, Claude has some voices that he can throw out, and I'm hoping you do that all throughout the night. But why don't you tell us a bit about yourself, man? And by a bit, I mean a lot. Well, I'll start at the beginning. I was born in Montreal mm-hmm. from uh, uh, my father and my mother, Francois and Francoise, and grew up and uh, nearly died when I was four years old. But uh, fortunately, they were able to save me. What happened? I had uh, what we call streptococcus with a very inflammation of the eye, but fortunately, it came out. One day, uh, it was so swollen, I blew my nose and everything came out. Oh. And they needed a bunch of towels at my grandmother's place then, and uh, since then I recovered. But uh, I had a very difficult relationship with my father, and that's what I'll talk about as well. Yeah. My mom uh, sometimes was uh, always in the middle. I have a sister, Lise, who was uh, two and a half years younger than me. And what happened is I went to school, but I was very introverted because my father tended to be a very negative person and this scolded me sometimes for reasons that were pretty petty. Mm-hmm. And at times, he did not do anything when I did something that deserved to be uh, taken to task. But I realized uh, in my adulthood that he did not know any better because he did not have a role model. His father died when he was eight years old. Mm-hmm. And he was the sixth of seven children. And his mother played favorites with the children and eventually the grandchildren. My mm-hmm. father and I were not her favorites. Mm-hmm. And that played a part, too. My father worked for Coca-Cola. My mother was a stay-at-home mom, and she worked eventually at a hospital setting, an administration uh, executive assistant. And uh, I went through school, elementary school, not too bad. Uh, Good marks, but when I started high school, which was known as secondary school, Mm -hmm. I was totally lost. My father kept telling me that I was lost, and I kept uh, took it for granted that I was. But uh, I was not very social. I was very introverted. 
I was subject to criticism, bullying, and uh, a lot of stress, and I did not know how to react. And sometimes my father would say stupid things, stupid to my estimation. And when I tried to talk back to him, he usually got physical and mm. slapped me. And sorry, man. spanked me. And uh, it went on for a while. And after uh, going through high school, I stopped at grade 11. I just did not care to continue. And there are a few times where I felt like I wanted, uh, I was so mad that I wanted to kill my father. Mm. And uh, for the abuse, psychological and physical. And I went through uh, early adulthood not knowing what I wanted. Worked at different jobs, worked for a uh, wholesale medical company. I had an ability with mathematics. I can do operations in my head mm -hmm. that some people would need a calculator or computer. But computers, of course, were not evolved then in the late 60s. Mm -hmm. And uh, some people tried to take advantage of me by giving, uh, asking me to give them answers and tests, mm -hmm. which I refused. And I was threatened with violence. But I managed to go without it and uh, tell some people. But uh, after spending the first 28 years of my life in Montreal, two years prior, at age 26, I visited Western Canada. And uh, I went uh, to visit the five cities west of Winnipeg, major ones, Saskatoon, Regina, Edmonton, Calgary, and Vancouver. And I found Calgary appealed to me the most because it was country-like, it was dry weather, and the people were very friendly. Mind you, the top population of uh, Calgary then was less than half of what it is today. Oh, about really? 620,000. Wow. Now it's a close to 1.3 million from what and I understand. How long ago was that? That was in 1976, so mm -hmm. 43 years ago. Okay. And uh, I pondered my move for a few, uh, few years. I stayed at my grandmother's place after my grandfather's death and uh, stayed there for three years. And uh, my father sometimes liked to play a game that really aggravated me. He asked me questions where he already knew the answer. Mm. But he wanted to start make people talk, and he did that with a lot of people. And uh, What did your dad do, man? I don't know. My dad was, my dad was very insecure and a worry wart. What did he do for a living? Sorry. He worked uh, uh, assisted... Uh, sales manager and at first he worked uh, for a, a bottling he traveled mm. for coca-cola okay so with coca-cola of course it tells you how much soft drink came in and out of the house and i got addicted to it big time and mm -hmm. i came to calgary i was uh drinking a super gulp a day so to speak and wow. of course of pot, with that yeah. kind of sugar and caffeine and uh, and mm -hmm. co2 that was not very good of course so but uh, after uh, pondering my move, uh, I moved in 1978 and uh, to Calgary, not knowing what I wanted, a little bit of money. And uh, when I moved, going to the train station in Montreal, my mother had tears in her eyes. Mm -hmm. She knew that I was going for good. And my father did not seem to have any reaction. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I came to Calgary, I was a very, very angry man. 
I worked for a transportation company for a while and I went into security. Now in security is a lot of shift work. Mm -hmm. I was not, did not know what to expect. And uh, at first there was a day shift, afternoon shift and overnight shift. Mm -hmm. And I had trouble sleeping. So I asked the supervisor, what shift note does nobody want? Obviously they say the graveyard shift. Mm -hmm. So I decided to put me on straight graveyards. So mm -hmm. I was doing not too bad. And of course, I was stable enough that I was able to work overnight with very little people contact as mm -hmm. I was not very social. Yeah. And uh, of course, after the shift at eight in the morning, I was able to go home. Sometimes mm -hmm. some people were late. We had to wait for a relief. That was the, uh, the negative part of it. Mm -hmm. But I kind of enjoyed the experience in the working there and I, uh, connected with some people, but not to the extent that I was, mm. well, I knew there was something missing in me. I tried to have a relationship. I had my first love when I was 24 in Montreal and uh, just did not seem to connect. Uh, since I was not going with any uh, women or girls when I was young, I was given the label, as uh, you can pretty well guess, gay, faggot, mm. or effeminate. I would not have guessed that. So... It hurt, and then I realized I started to resent those people, but I now realize there's a lot of good people mm -hmm. that are different from me, the, and despite uh, their different sexuality. Mm -hmm. So what I did is uh, I bottled in everything, and I worked for a while, and then in 1993, I came to... Uh, the conclusion that I don't know if life was worth living because I had a relationship with my then girlfriend that ended. A job that I liked, they let me go, and then my mother passed away. Oh, man, I'm sorry, it, buddy. It was a triple whammy. Yeah. I tried to OD on sleeping pills. Mm, buddy. And I fall, fell asleep. But the next morning, I woke up. I realized, huh, is there a message there? So I decided, I checked myself and uh, went to a clinic and then the hospital and I was admitted to a psych ward. Mm. And as I entered the psych ward and I realized, wow, there was a whole array of people that were far worse off than I am. Mm. So I stayed there for about nine days. I saw a psychiatrist that was such so strange that I thought he was one of the Patience mm, yeah. made me think of the uh, character of my favorite Martian. What's that? The uh, used to a comedy show with Bill Bixby and Ray Walston back in the sixties. Okay. And uh, each time he somebody got weird, the, oh. the antennas grew, yeah. and uh, okay. he was very self righteous. Mm. I did not like the experience, mm. but when I got out, it made me aware that uh, hey, maybe there's something there. Once I uh, freaked out all the nurses because I went to uh, a hockey game as an outpatient after my uh, restrictions were lessened in the psych ward, came back and I let out a, uh, uh, just as I got out of the elevator, a siren sound. Mm -hmm. Back. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden the nurses came by 
The patients freaked out, and one nurse told me, Claude, was that appropriate? I says, yes, I, it was. I'm crazy, remember? I'm, that's why I'm here. They did not. <laughs> it's like Jonesy from Police Academy. You know, they did not like my sarcasm, but then I didn't care. But uh, as I got up from the hospital, I once took a walk after I was released late at night on Sandy Beach in southwest Calgary, and then I prayed. Mm. And I realized I was kept alive for a reason, and I prayed to the Lord, is there something you're trying to tell me? Please guide me. And then all of a sudden I discovered, after I was diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder, mm. I checked out, I decided I'm not going to stain my laurels. There's a lot of labels that are affected, uh, connected with mental health issues mm -hmm. or mental illness. I called the Schizophrenia Society, met a lady named Faye. Faye had a son with the illness. Mm. I got interviewed with her. I felt, told her how low I felt. And she looked at me straight in the eyes and says, don't you dare go down on yourself like that. You have a lot to offer. Mm -hmm. I looked at her with almost cross-eyed. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, yeah? Yeah. So I decided to take part in some uh, activities, mm -hmm. answered the phones, found out about the uh, program, the uh, peer support group, and the partnership program where I actually could go and uh, speak in public. Mm -hmm. I was invited as a guest. I spoke a little bit. They liked me. I started doing public presentations for mm -hmm. seven years with the Schizophrenia Society. And all of a sudden, I started owning my illness. Mm. I had a new psychiatrist prescribe uh, me some medication, an antipsychotic, and other things. Mm -hmm. And uh, I started getting better. I moved 34 times from the time I moved to Calgary in 1978 until about 1995. It's almost like I had not stayed in one place. Mm. But then I found uh, uh, the uh, place where the uncle of a friend of mine that used to work in security mm -hmm. was staying, and he had an opening for uh, someone to subrent his uh, apartment. So I stayed with him for six years, and I made progress. And it made me realize, okay, I can do something worthwhile. Mm -hmm. I started connecting with some people. I started making a few friends. I did not uh, go out on a date for very much, but I worked on myself to mm -hmm. that, that point. And all of a sudden, in 2001, my roommate, uh, Mel, who uh, I don't know, if, I don't think he's alive anymore because he was in failing health 10 years ago. He met a woman that uh, he wanted to start living with and eventually marry. So he asked me to look for someplace else. I was surprised that uh, I decided to connect with uh, the Calgary Housing Authority mm -hmm. and applied. And I was told there would be a long wait list, so I prayed. From the time I applied to the time they contacted me to say there's a place open, you know how much time it took? Nope. Two weeks. That's pretty good for Calgary Housing, man. I was lucky That's enough quick. that... Uh, my finances were in the black. 
And uh, prior to that, in 1994, after my diagnosis, I declared personal bankruptcy for about $7,000. But I learned from that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was able to uh, uh, be accepted. They showed me a suite. And the week after, which was three weeks after the application, I was accepted to move in the Beltline area. Mm -hmm. And I stayed there. And uh, I was... uh, there for 17 years and I started making some friends but I've learned that friendship is not something you can force on Mm -hmm. anyone I had a lot of resentments and as I think today with my father abusing me and uh, the way he treated me and my sister being in total denial Mm -hmm. of the abuse I was frustrated but then I realized The Lord said one day, forgive them, my father, for they know not what they do. Mm -hmm. I think that applied to my father. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I wonder if he was possessed by a demon, but he did not know any better. So You still need to be nicer to you, man. What's that? You're a sweet human being, man. So Thank you. But uh, I've come to live there and then... I, met, I had a girlfriend who kept winding up in the psych wards. She was drinking. She, I attended Al-Anon. She was in total denial. And I tried to be friends with her as much as trying to help her to the different steps of a relationship. I was her first boyfriend ever. Hmm. But uh, she was 12 years younger than me. And uh, she did not know sometimes how to react and was impulsive hmm. and sometimes lashed out. That reminded me of what I did as yeah. well. And uh, sometimes I t- tended to shy away from people because they were snappy. They were judgmental. They acted in a way that I considered stupid or selfish. But the Lord made me realize some one thing. He told me once, Claude, did you ever do something once that was considered selfish or mm. stupid or judgmental? I thought and I said, hmm. Yeah. And the Lord told me, let me do the judging here. Mm -hmm. If you need to shy away from some relationships, that's perfectly fine. In in 2018, which was last year, I started uh, decided to apply for a a new place. Because the place I was at, the owner let the building go to pot, so to speak. Did not take care of it. There was sometimes a fire in the elevator machine room, other alarms kept going off. And uh, some people, of course, in the Beltline were desperate to get in and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of transits. Once I saw three uh, people wrapped up in the, in the entrance rug by mm-hmm. the entrance door in the morning, 6.30 in the morning. Wow. So call mm-hmm. the police and of course, they were pretty inebriated, but they needed mm-hmm. a place to just you know, stay. Yeah. And the owner eventually sold the building. A new uh, company owned the building. But they decided to accept dogs. Hmm. I don't mind that. But some owners are not very responsible. Mm -hmm. So dogs, some people sometimes would let them do their thing on the balcony and then throw it overboards. Really? Very, very sanitary, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And uh, poop fight. Yeah, really, so to speak. 
and uh, they eventually hired a, a overnight security, so it was a little better. But uh, I enjoyed my time there. I had some drawbacks. I once had with former owner a uh, dispute where somebody entered my place to try and repair a faulty uh, faucet, mm -hmm. but shut off the wrong valve. So there was a geyser inside and uh, flooded the whole thing and turned the carpet and the owner did not want to change the carpet. And yeah. I said, okay, fine, you want to be like that? I called it Alberta Health Services. Mm -hmm. they, uh, an inspector came, made an assessment and then read, read the owner the riot act. Mm -hmm. No, just to tell you, I was not popular with the For management. Sure. But then I didn't care because I realized if he doesn't replace the carpet, it's going to get moldy. It's going to be a serious health hazard mm -hmm. and I won't be able to stay there anyway. Yeah. So I was able to advocate for myself. I started connecting with some people uh, in the mental health field that could actually help me make sound decisions. Mm -hmm. And even if I made mistakes, it was not the end of the world. Yeah. When I first joined the Schizophrenia Society, I did not know about H, and I discovered H, mm -hmm. and it was a blessing for me. Yeah. It gave me a small revenue, but enough to subsist, and I was able to plan and budget myself to the point where it felt good. Yeah. And uh, I was able to uh, I get some money for expenses, Some I had some benefits, mm -hmm. and uh, it's almost like the Lord, Jesus Christ, guided me through all that. Mm. When it was time to uh, move, I finally discovered a place that uh, is in the Northeast, not far from the Vernon Fanning Center. Okay. And I was wondering, hmm, it's a seniors building, what am I doing there? But I was 67 at the time, I checked the place. It was totally refurbished, renovated. The windows were facing north, so I did not have the heat of mm -hmm. the sun, especially in the summer. Uh, making the place uh, too hot and it was ready for occupancy. Mm -hmm. I decided that's what I want to do. I want to move. I was scared and I realized after saying that I agreed to, what have I done? But I talked to some people and they told me, I think it's time for you to make a move. Mm -hmm. I prayed to the Lord that said my place at the old, at the old building in Beltline was a bit of a mess. And I prayed that I get the energy to actually sift through my entire inventory mm. of belongings. And the Lord gave me the energy to do that two hours a day, approximately, for about two weeks. Mm -hmm. In that time, I was able to give away, throw away, shred papers, go through the entire inventory mm -hmm. to the point where now I could see clearly. And when the time came to move, I was able to find the energy to hire a moving company, a cleaning company, mm -hmm. uh, transfer, of course, my phone service, uh, stop my uh, electricity bill because the, at the new place, the electricity was included in the rent, mm -hmm. and make a notification to Canada Post to have my mail redirected. And I got all the energy I feel from the Lord to think clearly mm -hmm. and go through that. The day I moved and after it was all done with the movers, it cost me about $800 to move, plus all the FA fees for the transfers, anything mm -hmm. like that. 
I got home and I cried. And uh, that night, all of a sudden, I felt like blowing my nose and my nose started to bleed profusely. Hmm. I stood near the uh, toilet and I was praying that it stop. It lasted for about seven to eight minutes. Then I got the thought that the Lord Jesus Christ was actually telling me, I'm getting rid of all your bad blood. Hmm. It stopped. The next day I went to the former church I used to attend and I, I cried tears of joy because mm -hmm. it felt so good to be in my new place. And again, I paced myself. I had a lot of belongings in the floors and uh, was able to uh, sort out my dressers, my furniture. Some friends helped me connect my TV. Mm -hmm. I, eventually, I got a new Lazy Boy armchair, which felt good. Oh, and dude. My, Do you have a Lazy my, Boy? Yeah. And uh, good. my bed was set up, and uh, a lot of people that I asked help were able to help me, for which I'm very grateful for. I will take the first names, of course, like Javier, Laura, Lorette. Elizabeth and Arthur and uh, it was a fun experience and after about three weeks all my stuff was put away mm -hmm. and I could see clearly then I was not much of a housekeeper except for doing the dishes and uh, doing stovetop cleaning so after about a year there I applied for well maybe about nine months after being there, I applied for cleaning services and I found out I would qualify to have cleaning services in mm -hmm. my place. And uh, every two weeks, somebody would come in, a lady, to uh, sweep the floors and clean everything. And it felt, it felt wonderful to have a clean place again because the first time there she came, there was about a little pile of four inches of dirt. Mm -hmm. Whoops. Okay, just one moment. Uh, yeah, it must be stampede time. We've got like a hurricane coming in Calgary or something. Yeah, the winds are picking up big time. So, anyway, to continue, I felt like I'm attending a new church now. And it is wonderful to see that I'm accepted for who I am and what I have to offer. Mm -hmm. And even for those people who do not do so, I don't feel any grudges because realize the problem is not with me. If they don't see me as I am, maybe they have a problem as to perceiving who I am or who they are through their own mirror. Mm -hmm. And I have sometimes to look at the mirror too. And it's a, it's a challenge today, but I welcome the challenges now. Mm -hmm. I pray um, uh, at least three to four times a week that the Lord would guide me to bless my friends, my family, my circumstances as they come, and even those I have difficulties or arguments with. Mm -hmm. And I pray for those who are have difficulties with the law or with addictions or with anything like that. They're good people too. Mm -hmm. I pray for those people who are migrants because they seek a better life. And those who are looking down at them, I say to them, for you and me, buddy, remember one thing. 
for most of us, most of us, you and I don't have to immigrate because our ancestors did that for mm-hmm. us. What would you do if they were in their shoes? I'm 69 years old now, and I've learned to forgive my father. And he's passed away now for almost 10 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mom was always stuck between him and me. And one reason I moved to Calgary is I could not tolerate such a toxic and dysfunctional environment anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started talking to my sister. Uh, we've had our difficulties. She is a... Uh, sometimes gets critical and judgmental. And I told her that I will not accept that anymore. But now I can tell her she's my sister. She is a unique human being like I am. And I haven't seen her for five years. She stopped with coming with a longtime friend to Calgary to come and visit me next year. And if they do, I will welcome her. Right on. I decided... I'm not going to hold any grudge because grudge is uh, its almost like a, pressing a self-destruct button. Mm-hmm. And it's not worth it. It's not worth it, is it? No, sir. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> I find myself in a good space right now. I have ailments. I have some... Uh, some people thought I would go to sports now despite the fact that I have... Uh, I was flat... I am flat-footed knock need if you know what that is mm-hmm. and uh Your i knees knock dude yeah that's right when i st- yeah and the knees knock when i when my feet are straight so if mm-hmm. i want my knees straight i have to put my fees my feet in a v mm-hmm. and i inherited that from my maternal grandfather which i admire uh, very much my grandparents on my mom's side were firm and fair but they were disciplinarian, but they were no nonsense and no BS. Mm. And I appreciated that, especially for my grandfather. Mm. And uh, he sometimes he brought me to go duck pin bowling with, uh, with his uh, buddies, mm-hmm. which are, of course, were the same age as him. And duck pin, of course, is, uh, there's 10 of them. They're about the, half the size of a five pin. Mm-hmm. The balls are used the same as five pin, but you count, you count the, the points the same as 10 pin. Mm. And okay. I've learned to uh, play bowling, and I enjoy that. I uh, I haven't bowled forever. Yeah. It's been I, a long time, man. Yeah, it's been a while. As far as I can't stretch like I used to. <laughs> yeah. It was because it's a lot of stretch, of course. My hamstrings are a little tender now. But uh, I bet you I'd throw my back out the first roll. <laughs> Dude, you know you're like really in bad shape when you can't go bowling. <laughs> Unless you loft the ball. <laughs> I'd have to loft it. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, man, I cut you off. That's no problem. You can cut me off anytime. Oh, I'll, I'll try not to. Okay, sounds <laughs> good. So it's uh, an interesting experience. Now I've started to take courses in creative writing. Mm-hmm. I learned to explore my talents so far as public speaking, imitating. I I was found out that I was able to sing when mm-hmm. necessary, play a little bit of a piano and organ, not much. Yeah. You but, got a hell of a voice too, man. Yeah, what do they, uh, they call that? Is that that's not tenor, is it? I was you, told I have a baritone. Baritone. Voice. That's what I was looking yeah. for that word, man. I couldn't remember. Okay. Yeah, that's really good, man. You got a great voice. Yeah. Yeah. And I started volunteering with the church as well. I sometimes read the uh, scriptures and mm-hmm. uh, 
greet and uh, uh, light the Christ candle and uh, just being able to realize that if I want to be uh, well in my uh, within myself, I can be a service to the Lord and to my fellow human beings. Mm-hmm. It's very rewarding. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I do flare when I see somebody doing something that is just not right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like what? Well, for example, there was a chap on the bus that uh, used to bully people out of their seat, especially women. Mm-hmm. And once he elbowed one woman in my in her ribs, uh, and uh, she was a neighbor. The next time I saw him on the bus, I tore a strip off him, and mm-hmm. I told him, you better stop acting like a bully, or mm-hmm. I'm going to perform a private citizen's arrest on you. Mm-hmm. Okay, wow. Stop being such so selfish. Yeah. If you can't use a vacant seat without creating a disturbance, please get up and stand up or get out. Mm. Good for you, man. And all of a sudden, you started trying to make nice with me. Mm. It's like I did not swear at him. I did not call him names because name calling does not go anywhere. And, uh, well, and you don't want to be cruel just for the sake of being that's cruel, right. right? And of course, yeah. uh, you know, when I hear somebody using foul language, I'm about to get a lecture, just so you guys know. No, no, not at all. So, sound that the the building and I was what it was a flood mm. because somebody punctured a uh, a water pipe and uh, some suites were were flooded and there was a lot of f bombs. But my way of dealing it is, hey man, that's not gross enough. Spice it up mm. a little more. They usually <laughs> stop cold because that's reverse psychology. Yeah, and. Uh, and uh, but some of them, of course, as I grow older, I realize some people their cognitive ability has lessened. Their physical and mental health is affected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm and, pointing out myself. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, uh, cognitive yeah, my health? physical ability has fallen. Fortunately, well. I still have the capacity to think clearly, but there are times where I forget uh, things. I I've been blessed with a fairly good memory. I have over 100 phone numbers memorized. Mm-hmm. But there are times once where I was trying to cook something in the microwave and I could not remember the sequence on how to activate it. Oh, okay. I had yeah. to look at the at the instructions. Yeah. So I don't I guess I had a senior moment, you can say that. <laughs> yeah, but you're a pretty sharp guy, man. How many languages do you speak? Two. I in Two. French and English. And both fluently though, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I was lucky enough to be brought up in French, but in a multicultural neighborhood and uh the western part of Montreal. Mm. And uh, when I was growing up, of course, the advent of the cable TV came in the mid-60s. Oh, yeah, I guess. Eh? Started American channels. And my father, of course, listened to English radio. He did his uh, military service in Barrie mm. and uh, Ontario. And uh, he was always involved with uh, duty. And... Uh, <laughs> But uh, when he was called to be coming to the front, at the front, the front lines of the war, mm-hmm. the war ended. Mm. But then my father needed help. And men did not ask for help then mm-hmm. in the late 40s, early 50s. It was taboo for men to ask for help. Yeah. So we went into life, married my mother, and uh, she just did not know how to react. It's almost like... A, uh, let's put it this way. 
At times, I feel my father treated me like a rival mm. instead of a son. Mm. Yeah. And I missed to be told that I was worthy of being who I am. Yeah. Fortunately, my mom was very loving. My mom and I got along great, and my father was jealous of that. Mm. He did not like that at all. And uh, it uh, makes me reflect. I've never been married. I've been in some relationships. But in a way, it's a good thing that I was not married because I did not want to carry a load of shortcomings and negativity into a marriage mm-hmm. with a woman that I would eventually uh, be abusive to. Mm. And uh, I don't think you were, man. Well, I have I have done some abuse. I've been yeah. in abusive relationships at, uh, on both sides at times. Mm-hmm. At, uh, what was that about? Was that when you first, like, how young were you when that happened? Uh, I only had one girlfriend in Montreal, but here in Calgary, uh, I had, uh, it took me uh, from the time, uh, over 14 years before I had somebody steady. Mm. And uh, she at times was very insecure herself. Mm-hmm. And I was not diagnosed. Sometimes we have some episodes that were volcanic. Yep. Whenever we were going to bed and I was too tired, let's say, to make love with her, she started having visions of other women in my bed. Mm. So I should tell you that did not make me feel very good. Mm-hmm. And uh, she kept on uh, nagging and bitching. And, uh, of course, in the state I was then, my buttons were easily pushed. Mm-hmm. So we were physical with her. She tried to stab me with a pencil, mm-hmm. and I slapped her once. And uh, uh, charges were going to be laid, but uh, her parents convinced me to actually... Convinced her to drop the charges, but asked me not to contact her again, which mm-hmm. I did. But then she kept contacting me, mm-hmm. and I had to lie to her to tell her that I was seeing someone else. Mm-hmm. So that kind of ended that. But I realized... Dude, better it ended like that than getting stabbed with a pencil, man. Yeah. Fortunately, it did not pierce anything. Yeah. But... Uh, uh, Don't get me wrong. A, you it, shouldn't hit women either, obviously. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And I obviously. learned that. I went through a... A uh, course on uh, anger management yeah. after that. And uh, some men were very uh, much angrier than me. Yeah. Some were actually mandated to go there because of a uh, mm-hmm. court order. Yeah. So uh, I just want to pause for a second. I want to go back. I, we shouldn't hit anybody. I, I should say that. I didn't mean women. We just shouldn't hit anybody. That's right. That's what I meant to say. So Of course. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, no, well, with the hitting, I... I, and the abuse I went through, sometimes I felt like lashing out too, but I realized it was not it was not the best solution. And even then today, I struggle sometimes, but I'm, I think I'm a little better. I'm a little more mature. I still have some growing up to do, despite mm-hmm. the fact that I'm a senior. Yeah. So leading up to your diagnosis, like I imagine, so you, you'll have to maybe tell us a little bit about it, but w- like the life before you attempted suicide yes like i mean because i've attempted a few times so i know that for me like the basically the avalanche just builds up builds up builds up and then you get hit with like your mom passing and all that stuff um like what was life like though before before you got your diagnosis and started to get treatment like how was it different was it dramatically i imagine it was dramatically different 
Well, when I the, the suicide attempt I told you was my third, actually. Mm-hmm. Once I tried to OD on a goofball, but woke up from it. I would try my mother made me a lot, anyway. a lot of milk. And the second time, my father scolded me for something I didn't do. Mm-hmm. I went into a fit of rage, and my eyes rolled at the back of my head, and I growling, and all of a sudden, our blood started spurting out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. My mother saw that. Shit, she dude. came to me. She slapped me around to bring me out of my trance because I was in a trance. And all of a sudden, I held her. This is what's going on here. Mm. I realized she saved my life because what could have happened then is I could have gone into a coma that can be irreversible. Yeah. Lived like a vegetable. So, in a way, she saved my life. So, uh, life sometimes was... uh, I lived for sometimes... Mathematics, because mm-hmm. I was very good at uh, making mental calculations. It's almost uh, like the board in Star Trek, if you mm-hmm. want. Yeah. Aiming for perfection in any numbers and trying to outdo a certain solution. So are you a fan of physics? Not much, no. No? No. Yeah, because it's all numbers, right? Like it's all math, basically. Well, physics. Well, I'm it's not, not just math, but there's... Yeah, but it uh, makes, uh, makes me think of the... Uh, the uh, the idea that Gene Roddenberry in Star Trek gave sometimes, it's like portrayed the, the captain and the first officer trying to counsel her and mm. all of a sudden having discussions, but always coming to a decision after con, uh, consulting with each other. Mm-hmm. And the Borg, of course, saying resistance, if you tile, you will be assimilated. That's like the devil talking. Mm-hmm. And uh, realize... Resistance is not futile. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Yeah. So, yeah. So, when you so when you got your diagnosis, did your like how did your life change after that? Like in terms of did you have basically what I'm getting at is did you have episodes where you did like psychosis? Was it a regular thing or was that something that's not quite the same for schizoaffective disorder? What happened then is when I was diagnosed, I realized unlike some other people. I was still thinking fairly good, mm-hmm. and I was not going to go down on myself. Yeah. I was going to research the illness. Yeah. I was going to reach out. I was just going to go shell in mm. and try to OD again. Mm. And it's like, uh, it's been a blessing to uh, realize that I've come to the point where I could connect with people mm-hmm. and find out, get answers. And if I don't mm-hmm. get to some from someone, get from someone else. Yeah. And my message to many of those who, those who are abused is no matter what you go through and no matter how hard it is, you're not alone. And some people have had those experiences too. Mm-hmm. And you can make a change within your life if you want to. Yeah. yeah. There's people who, who've been through it, right? I can yes. talk about it. Yes, yeah. that's right. So when you would give talks for the Schizophrenia Society, what would those talks be? Like, would they be like to educate like guys like me? Or? Educate some people that was in the, uh, that were especially in schools because uh, in schools where the students, of course, mm-hmm. are the citizens of tomorrow. So we wanted yeah. to make an impact on them to see that a person with mental illness does have feelings and emotion like yeah. anybody else. Yeah. But a person sometimes uh, with schizophrenia who has uh uh, the uh, illness in a severe way, mm-hmm. they have what we call a blunted affect where their emotions are shut down mm-hmm. and they seem to have a blank face. 
Mm-hmm. Sometimes they like to express, but they don't express, and that may give the impression that they're mentally challenged, which is not the case. Yeah, and they and they also call it masking, right? Yes, is there right. a masking that happens too? It yeah. can happen too, but uh, I, well, it can it doesn't always, of yeah, course. But uh, yeah, mental illness, like Robin Leonard said uh, mm-hmm. during the awards for the National Hockey, it doesn't mean men- mental weakness. Yeah, not at all, and. Uh, uh, some people, of course, if they have cognitive uh, impairment, mm-hmm. if they get in a psychotic episode and they come back, they usually come back a little weaker each time. Yeah. And uh, this medication is trial and error. Yeah. And sometimes some medications work, some don't. There are three different categories from what I've learned hmm. of people with mental illness. The first category is those people who are able to function with medication, yet they, they need to be supervised mm-hmm. uh, in a way that they consult with some doctors. The second one, they need a little more supervision, much mm-hmm. more in a way, where they need to be guided and uh, make sure their medications are taken mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes connect with the different mental health organizations mm-hmm. so they can actually find some fulfillment in their life. Mm-hmm. The third group, well, it's a little sadder. You see many people sometimes pushing carts, shopping carts, mm-hmm. and going nowhere, wonder where they go. They don't know sure where their, where their meal is, mm-hmm. their next meal. They have time to wander around. And uh, for some of them, the cognitive impairment is such that no medication will help them. Mm-hmm. And even if they do, it's a small relief. Mm-hmm. Some of them, of course, if they're, in some cases, they are on medication, but when they get better, they think that they don't need the medication. Mm. They stop taking it. They get a relapse. They get to the hospital. Have you gone through that yourself? Like gone through periods where you stopped taking your meds? No. No? I decided, well, I've, once... There are a few times I forgot to take a medication, but no mm. more than one day at a time. Yeah, that's not quite the same. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. the first medication I was on was Haldol. Yeah. And that was to be prescribed from what I was told by uh, veterinarians to horses mm-hmm. to calm them down. Now, a horse, of course, is about 15 times heavier than a, a, a normal person. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like the person went into some kind of catatonic state taking mm-hmm. Haldol. So, and uh, that was the treatment then in the old days. Yeah. There's new medications now. In some cases, there are some professionals who are reluctant to prescribe the medications because they think it's too much of a cost. Mm-hmm. But they don't realize that that extra cost will be offset by the fact that some people will spend less time in hospital in the psych ward. Yeah. Therefore, that decreases even more costs. Mm-hmm. So the medications become cost effective. Yeah. Good. That's awesome. And so have you found it, have you found it pretty simple to find help here in Calgary? Like in terms of not just the schizophrenic society, but like, I don't know, other resources that are available to you or? Uh, Yes. I've uh, contacted once uh, another organization where I was able to get counseling. Mm -hmm. I get counseling from uh, somebody else now. Do you want to mention who the service is? Because we can. Alberta Health Services. Alberta Health Services. Okay. I do see a psychiatrist periodically and a mental health nurse. Okay. Make sure my medications are revised and up to date. Okay. 
And uh, I'm very diligent in so far as taking my medications daily mm. before bedtime. Okay, cool. Uh, and uh, I wasn't worried about it. <laughs> no. Okay. So uh, Alberta Health Services has some good programs. Uh, the Canadian Mental Health Association, the uh, Potential Place Clubhouse, mm-hmm. which tends to people who uh, have both mental and physical uh, health issues. Okay. And that's called what again? Potential Place Clubhouse. Potential Place Clubhouse. It's at okay. 10th Avenue and 8th Street Southwest. And then, of course, there's Elements Calgary, uh, just next, just before the uh, Cur- downtown West Kirby C-Train hmm. station. Now, that, that used to be known as the Calgary Association of Self-Help. Hmm. Okay, so, it's not anymore? Uh, it's called Elements Calgary. Elements Calgary, okay. Yeah. Mm. So for those who are looking for a change there uh, to help, there is resources available, but the person has to reach out. Mm-hmm. And for some, there's always one big word that comes that's sometimes very difficult, trust. Mm-hmm. If they have been abused by the system or they've been uh, by gone through the revolving door syndrome of mm-hmm. going into a med- psych ward and all of a sudden being discharged where they're not ready Mm. or sometimes kept too long. Yeah. Their trust in the system is very low. Yeah. Whoops. Okay. So, uh, it's, uh, it's a challenge for many Mm. of them to actually connect with someone, to trust someone. And, uh, in the case of my former girlfriend, of course, she was trying always to rely on me, and it's almost uh, like I was being a parent to a mm-hmm. child, and I have no experience as parenting. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's never a good idea to parent your spouse, anyway. Buddy. No, no, that's right. And uh, it's uh, for some, it's like they try to hang on to so many people, and that's the worst thing you can do because mm-hmm. some people are scared of, and they'll be scared away. Yeah. Absolutely. So if there was anything you could tell someone who was maybe young, struggling in similar ways as yourself when you were young, like the with the different difficulties of cognition and whatever way that transport, transpired, right? Uh, hallucinations, auditory, whatever they are. Um, is there anything you would tell someone, a younger you maybe, like what's, what's a good thing to do? Call the distress center. Call the 812 Help 9 Talter Nurse. Mm-hmm. Always ask to be uh, to see what they can do for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, they'll direct you to some organizations that possibly help you. Mm-hmm. And keep on trying to get help. Yeah. Okay. It may not be exactly what you want sometimes. What you expect and what you get may be different. Mm-hmm. Okay. You might have some frustrations there. Yeah. But nevertheless, it's like, Go with the flow and don't put too many expectations as to what might happen. Mm. You might not like what you hear, but sometimes I found out that what I hear sometimes may be a blessing in disguise as opposed to a curse. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Right on, man. And don't despair. Even those who, uh, there's two people that I know that I have dissuaded in attempting suicide. Mm. One chap wanted to uh, attempt suicide. And the Lord told me once, 
Suicide is nothing more than a false escape hatch from which there is no return. Mm. Do you really want to go there? Because if you miss your shot, you'll be maimed for life. Mm -hmm. You'll be living in the shell of yourself mm -hmm. and you won't be able to talk, to advocate. Mm -hmm. So if you're thinking about suicide, talk to someone. Right on. Even if you feel some people may shame you for it, mm -hmm. don't let them get to you that way. Yeah. It's okay to talk about mental health issues. Right on. Thank you so much, Claude. My pleasure. Right on. And to further that, uh, what Claude's just said, uh, if like I know that we we want everyone to reach out and stuff like that, but as a man, I, I really appreciate being around other men uh, who I can aspire to be like. Right, and you're one of those people because you're a gentle soul and a and a good human. Right, so thank you, David. You're welcome, and I appreciate you coming on tonight, man. Um, man out there, we got to reach out. We got to be there for each other too. You know, um, whatever it sounds like. Uh, to you out there there's nothing that's going to really change if we just keep doing the same shit you know we keep bottling it up we keep swallowing it uh we're just going to keep taking our lives uh yes and one thing i wanted to add is uh the definition of man the acronym to me is many answers needed mm -hmm. don't be afraid to reach out and for the women who sometimes cope with men that may be abusive don't be afraid to reach out as well. Mm -hmm. If you are in a situation where somebody is abusing you, reach out. Do everything you can. Mm -hmm. Contact people. My acronym word for woman is this. W-O-M-A-N stands for Wonders of Marvelous Anointed Nobility. Ooh. And uh, I'm surprised you're not married and have a harem with those kind of, <laughs> those kind of acronyms. Very nice of you. <laughs> but uh, sometimes I... Uh, I just want to make sure there's not like a room full of women locked up. No, like no. All right. But uh, some men sometimes will criticize their spouses. They're uh, especially female spouses. And I tell them, man, if it was not for women give her birth... This population would not exist. Mm -hmm. eh? It's true. Yeah. Right on, man. Yeah. Thank you, sir. My pleasure. Okay. You have a good night, man. You too. Thank okay. you. Thank you for tuning in this week to the Voices in Recovery podcast. Please stay tuned every Wednesday as we air another episode. Thank you for your time. And please, if you're in trouble, reach out. If you need to contact us at www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca or you can look for us on Facebook under Freedom's Path Recovery Society. Thank you again for tuning in. Please stay tuned for upcoming groups, activities, and podcasts. <laughs>